What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Ship podcast. This is Trash Panda Talks episode three. And today I want to talk about the worst rank in the Navy. You ever been walking through the Navy exchange and wonder why all the Naval Pride and Heritage gear is horrifically ugly and you wouldn't actually wear it? Have you ever wanted some really cool gear and you just don't know where to go? Well, I got you, fam. Go to dgutsapparel.com immediately. Get yourself some Naval Pride and Heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. Uh, We're working on new designs all the time, open to ideas. We're trying to create a brand that uh, lets you display that pride but doesn't make you cringe. Uh, Also, if you're willing to and you're able to, please go to patreon.com slash dgutspodcast. Pick one of the five tiers and become a patron today. I started out as an E1 and I've made my way up to first class and it is without a doubt now as a first class that I, this is, this is definitely the worst rank uh, for a few reasons. You would think that the lower ranks would be the worst um, and then maybe like E5 gets a lot of hate sometimes because they do a lot of work and don't get enough recognition and they don't get enough pay. But I think that this first class business is is definitely first class trash. Uh, it can be pretty awful sometimes and not, maybe not for the reasons that you might think. Um, so I've been a first class for five years and change now. Um, but it's just such a weird place to be. And I kind of describe it as the, the in-between. So, you know, there's a huge problem with us versus them, right? The the white hats and the khakis. But as a first class, especially like depending on the personality or the experience or um, maybe a position or a title of somebody, there's just this weird gray area where it feels like you don't have any peers. Um, the chiefs look at you like you are not one of them, but at the same time, the, the white hats, the E6 and below, a lot of them don't think that you're one of them either. And it doesn't help either that this is kind of what is uh, taught to us along the way. There are, especially for the, uh, sometimes for brand new first classes, but especially for like the seasoned first classes, we are expected to just perform at a different level. And we are expected to fill the role of the chief all the time, or at least be prepared to, you know, fill in at any time, which is completely understandable. And if the chief is doing their job of training their relief, then this wouldn't be a problem. But even when you go into like Navy publications of what it is that is expected of us, you look at the the SORM and there's, there's no differentiation between the LPO and the LCPO. And then Granted, I know that these are extremely outdated, but the the Navedra is like the basic military requirements by rank. So the first class one, it was from 1991. So even in the NAV standards, I mean, there's essentially one page. It's one page and like two lines of the E6 requirements. And then for the E7, there's two pages of requirements. But when you compare the, the standards for an E6 and the standards for an E7, There's really not much different. I would say the only thing that is really different is that training. In the E7, it says train junior officers. And that's not a requirement, right? That's not a standard for an E6. I think there's lots of E6s that do that, but it's not expected of us. Uh, And then also for the E7, provide guidance to enlisted personnel in the preparation of performance evaluations. 
I would argue that first classes probably do that far more than chiefs do, at least in my experience. The the chiefs are giving the training to the first classes and the first classes turn around and give it to the junior sailors. But honestly, in, in comparing the E6 and the E7 standards, there's some things, there are some things that are different. There are some things that are, you know, definitely on the chief one that are not on the first class one or that you could argue that would not happen at a first class level. Yeah, like one of these items, uh, define the procedures for conducting captain's mast. I bet you, I bet you there's some E4 and E5 sailors out there who could tell you the process of captain's mast better than some of the khakis out there because they've been <laughs> and, and they remember, but you know, I understand that these are standards. This is the expectation. It's not necessarily the reality, but when you're looking at it on, on paper, when you look at what the Navy provides of the expectation, they're honestly not that different. There's one expectation where first classes are expected to completely fill in for achieve at any given moment at the drop of a hat, we should be totally prepared to do so. But then there's also the expect or not the expectation, but the perception that you're just a first class. You don't know anything yet. You haven't been over to this side of the magical fence yet or, you know, stepped through the looking glass. Right. So there's that. And then there's also unhealthy level of competition among first classes. Like I try to work with people and give them advice and tell them about experiences where I absolutely fell on my face and try to save them from that same failure. And I think they just assume that I'm lying or that I'm playing them because they think, why would I listen to you? You're not a chief or you don't know what you're doing because you haven't made chief yet. Or maybe they have some sort of um, skewed um, moral compass and so that they think maybe that they wouldn't be that honest with someone and just be that genuinely selfless and trying to help somebody. And so they assume that nobody else is doing that and there's there's just no trust and that gets to be a pain um but it's it's hard from the peer perspective from the first classes to have i think good relationships with other first classes because of that you know competitive nature that we are bred with but then also, you know, you, you can't necessarily just be friendly with the junior sailors or with the chiefs. And, and it just kind of feels like sometimes you're on an island. It, it can be pretty rough. And I felt that weird, like, in-between thing for a while now. Um, but lately, I have been even more frustrated with the position that I'm in as a first class. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I just PCS'd and... I am with a ton of people that I've never met. They've never met me. They don't know anything about me. But the assumption is that I must be uh, worthless or stupid or inexperienced. And it's, it's unfortunate because I know that, you know, when a chief walks in a room, no one knows how long they've been in the Navy and they don't care. They just see the khaki pants and they think, cool, okay, you're a chief. Whether they put it on two days ago or two years ago or 10 years ago, a chief is a chief. But for us, we don't have that same level of acceptance. And and I don't want to say respect because I don't think that's always there. But 
I feel like we have to prove ourselves so much more often and and all the time and it gets to be extremely frustrating that the the credit that I have built in the past just disappears <laughs> and I think that that can be valuable especially if there's if there's negative history you know it would be nice to have a fresh slate but when I've kind of built up this resume and I, and I have these experiences I I cannot just say oh yeah I've done this before and I'm I'm still not taken seriously and I'm not quite sure how long it takes to prove value somewhere again so I've been in 13 years and I have gold and this is I think part of the problem that we have is it used to be that you, you know, when you hit 12 years, you had red or you had gold. And if you stayed red after 12 years, then something was wrong. You didn't have 12 consecutive years of good conduct, whatever the case may be. And I know for, for me, five, 10 years ago, when you saw a first class or a chief or above who had red stripes when they had enough stripes that they shouldn't be red, it usually created a lot more respect for that person, which is not necessarily, I think, what the intention was. Like there was a senior chief that used to work in the building with me and he had red stripes. And I remember asking him once like, hey, do you mind sharing? Especially this was after we had changed so that the red wasn't mandatory anymore. Gold was optional for anyone. So clearly he wore them for a reason, probably because gold is a lot more expensive. But I felt like that was an open invitation to ask him about his experience. And so I asked and he said, absolutely, I'll definitely tell you about it. And he sat us down. It was a group of us. And he sat us down and told us about how he had gotten a DUI and, you know, the history that happened with that and the captain's mess that he went to as a first class. And it was really great to hear that story and show, uh, hear how he was able to overcome that. And then, you know, after however long that he made chief and then picked up senior chief and so on. And I think that's where I think a lot of people could see value in the red stripes, especially for a chief or higher to say that clearly you aren't all bad, right? Because you made chief. And the assumption is that whatever caused you to earn the red or, or not earn the gold happened prior to making chief. And so it was it was a thing of respect, I think. That's how it was seen a lot of the time. And then they changed it so that um, anyone can wear gold, regardless of if you've been to NJP or not. And I know there was a lot of uh, a lot of internet complaints about it. I've never met someone who had earned red stripes that was mad or upset that they could not wear gold stripes. And so when all of that changed, I was a little confused, but I didn't really care because it didn't really apply to me. I had gone to DRB twice in my earlier career, but never went past that, so it wouldn't have cost me my gold anyway. But so now it's regardless of time uh, or regardless of, of good conduct, once you hit the 12 years, once you have the time, you get to wear gold if you so choose. And I know a lot of people who have not earned the gold that don't wear it. They wait until they're going to have their 12 years to put it on which is totally fine because it says that you may, not that you shall. I'm not quite sure where along the way the perception changed of where 
gold used to be good, right? Quote unquote, good conduct. But now I feel like I, I get looked at for having gold as if I did not, as if it was um, obvious that I was over 12 years and I should not have gold. I actually had a conversation, well, it wasn't a conversation that I engaged with in, but I was at the smoke pit the other day at work and I work in a joint environment. And so I was chit-chatting with this Air Force guy in about uh, Air Force rank and advancement and their leadership courses and things like that. And we were comparing the Air Force to the Navy. And I said something about how we were talking about higher tenure. And I was saying that we should get rid of higher tenure to use that as an incentive for the people who don't want to lead or manage and they just want to work hard and, and we should allow that. And this civilian guy just just jumps into this conversation completely uninvited and says, yeah, that uh, sounds like something a gold chevron would say. <laughs> I was just like flabbergasted for a minute and I thought, what on earth does that mean? And I kind of just let it slide and continued the conversation and then that guy said something else and I said, were you in the Navy? And he said, I was a chief. And I was like, really? And he said, well, I was in the Air Force, but I'm an inducted chief. I went through the season. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, and not being a chief and not having gone through the season, I don't know how much weight that really carries. But to me, that sounded really stupid. <laughs> and I, I just, it's not the first time that I have had that kind of experience and I don't know where it came from or why it exists, this mentality that if you are gold, you're wrong. It's like when you see a second class who has gold chevrons, you're like, ooh, because there's an assumption that something must have happened because most people make it past E5 by the 12 year, 12 year mark. But it's turned into this, this idea that you should be making chief before 12 years. I'm not really sure where the concept came from that you must be wrong if you don't make chief by the 12 year mark because that's not accurate. I know a lot of people believe that, especially in the intelligence community, that people make rank so quickly and if you don't pick it up by then, then clearly you're, uh, I can't think of a polite word to use that doesn't in involve swear words, um, but you must be garbage if you can't make chief in under 10 years. Like that's the expectation or that's the the norm. And it's actually not. I've seen plenty of people make it pretty quickly, a lot quicker than me. Um, but that doesn't mean that that's normal or that's expected. And so I actually, I did the research and I pulled some numbers. Shockingly, if you know me at all, you know that I like my uh, instructions and my facts. So I went and pulled, this is for uh, last year's results. So the... Uh, highest the the rates with the highest percentage advancement to chief and the rates with the lowest percent advancement to chief so the number one rate that has uh, the highest percentage advancement to chief is EOD it's a hundred percent advancement to chief under that is GSE and that's a 69 percent advancement and then YN for subs also 69 percent advancement and then the Eastern Europe category of CTIs, so like the Russian linguists, and they're at 66%. So those are the highest advancement to chief. 
And then looking at the people who made it last year, the average time, so for EOD, the average was still over 10 and a half years for the 40 or so people that made it. Over 10 years. That's not ridiculously fast. I would say that's that's good in average. It's honestly um, longer than I would have expected for a rating that's at 100% advancement, but it's over 10 and a half years. The person who had served the longest had been in the Navy for 17 years. And then the person that made it in the shortest amount of time for EODs was eight years. And of all these people, more than a quarter of them were at or over 12 years. They would have been gold stripes. So even at 100% advancement, they're still making it in what I would deem is an appropriate amount of time. And so behind that is the GSE. They had, let's, uh, maybe 30 or so people, 30 something. And those, their average time in service to make chief was 10.7 years. Again, a respectable amount of time, not obnoxiously quick, not unreasonable. And of those people, again, about 30% of them would have been gold stripes. And then for YNs on subs, they had uh, about half, just under half of them were at or over 12 years. The fastest that one of the YN subs made chief was in, there's a couple of them who made it in seven years, but then some of them in 17 years, 16 years, I mean, not ridiculously quick by any means, especially at nearly 70% advancement. Same goes for the CTIs, for those Eastern European CTIs. They had some pick it up in roughly uh, eight years. There's a couple at eight years, but then there was some at 18 years, more than one at 18 years. So even though these are the people that are making it, they're making more, they're making more chiefs than any other rating. And even them, between a quarter to half or more, we're in gold stripes. So why are we discounting first classes with experience? As if as if we've done something wrong, as if we don't deserve to be heard or valued because we've been in too long, we we must have jacked something up by now. Just for for the sake of argument and for funsies, uh, I looked at the ratings that had the lowest advancement to chief for last year. And so mine men, they were at 0%. And because there's over 200 first classes, I wasn't about to look into that much, but they didn't make any. Next is the um, Middle Eastern language CTIs, and they're sitting at 4%. And then ENs at 10, FCs at 11, and then MRs at 11 and a half. And so what's really interesting is that even though these are the groups that have the smallest quotas to advance to chief, they were still not much different than those who had the fastest advancement to chief. So for those um, Middle Eastern CTIs, there's just over 13 years on average. And then the ENs, they're about 13 and three quarters ish years. The FCs, which is interesting because they're at 11%, average time to make chief, 10.2 years. That seems 
pretty quick for a rating that has low advancement. And then the MRs averaged about 14 years. So in these groups, these ratings, again, they range from between 25 to 75% of these people, depending on the rating, were at or over 12 years. The CTIs, 75% of them would have worn gold. And the FCs, 26% would have worn gold. And so even though they have some of the lowest advancement, they're making it quicker than uh, actually any of the other ratings, including including the EODs, actually, which, I mean, like, good for them. There's There's nothing wrong with that. But it just surprises me that we, as a whole in the Navy, give more credit to rank than to experience. And I say it surprises me. It really shouldn't. But when you look at, especially the Chiefs, one of the things that they talk about is how valuable it is to have the network of the Chiefs mess. And, you know, you get a bunch of them in a room and they say, well, look at us with our 300 years of experience, just because there's, you know, how many of them that each have 15 years of experience doesn't necessarily mean you have 300 years of experience. It just drives me crazy that Someone else can walk in a room and just because they have khaki pants, they must be an adult and they must be intelligent and they must be capable. I remember being the um, smartass that I was as a teenager. (laughs) Shocker. I'm still much the same. Um, But so my brother was in the Navy before I was. And so I had a very minuscule idea of some of the things. And so when I went to boot camp, I remember flipping through like his little book or what are the depth book that they give you to study and um, just to have an idea of what I was getting myself into and probably because I was bored in the hotel the night before waiting on the on the flight. But I remember on the very first day they're you know moving us around different places and giving us you know you go over there and get your your underwear and you go over there and get your sweatpants and then we'll give you some soap right over there right. And at one point, they're they're pointing us in all different directions and, and we're going into all these different rooms and places getting supplies. And I remember there was a girl who said, um, she, she gave us some direction and somebody didn't respond or maybe they said, yes, ma'am, or something like that. And the best part now looking back is I bet you this girl was probably like 18 or 19 years old, but... She, she gave her some sort of um, order and did not get the answer that she wanted. And her response was to say, when you address us, you will address us by rank. Anybody in black pants is petty officer and anybody in khaki pants is chief, senior chief or master chief. And without any explanation of like what the difference is between chief, senior chief, master chief. But the best part was that she was a seaman. And I had looked through the book and I, I remember seeing those things. And, and so she said, anyone with black pants is petty officer. And I was like, but that's not true because you're not. And I'm not going to say, yes, petty officer, moving petty officer, when you're not a petty officer. That's just as bad as not calling someone by their rank at all which maybe isn't true, but I did indeed say that. Um, and I did not, uh, it was not received well. I did have a real petty officer come around and explain to me why that was a poor decision. But it's just one of those things that like we, 
the value that's in somebody's in the color of somebody's pants it's insane it isn't and from day one from day one we are instilling in them that khaki pants are power and and black pants are less power (laughs) i who cares about your pants we all put them on the same way every day ish i don't know how you put your pants on but you know the concept of like one leg at a time or whatever it may be but we're all human beings like they're the khakis are not just superheroes who you know rip off their freaking goat locker t-shirt and underneath is their fancy khaki uniform with their anchors on it like that's not that's not how they get dressed every day that's not how they get ready for work every day some of them might wish that was the case but it's not and I value the people who have you know been selected and they've made chief or been selected for senior chief or master chief I I value that I respect them I respect the rank and I don't want to discredit anyone especially and I know that there are some people and sometimes I'm guilty of of using some language like this but trying to discredit someone because they're a first year chief or they made it in eight years or six years or whatever the case is but regardless of how fast they made it they made it and I didn't and I'm not going to hold that against them they may be junior in time they may be junior in experience they may be new to their fancy khaki pants but they earned it they got there and I respect that rank and I respect that process for them but there's a reason that we wear gold at 12 years it's I think it's meant to have that slight differentiation and allow for our experience to be easily seen without having to qualify or quantify it and and explain ourselves and say well really I promise I'm a grown-up this is what I did at my last command and the one before that and the one before that and like I don't have to show my evals to every person that I meet just for them to take me seriously I think the goal and the intent of those chevrons and you know switching to the gold is to have a little bit of that and I'm not saying that gold should be viewed the same as khakis but maybe we shouldn't be viewed the same as you know red second classes or gold third classes for that matter (laughs) and I'm not hating on gold third classes it's funny I just know that I do my best to give the benefit of the doubt to every human being and I know that everyone has value and their opinions matter and their ideas matter and and regardless of their rank or even their time they're human beings and they deserve to be treated with dignity and respect and regardless of the color of their pants or the color of their stripes it doesn't matter I know all of this sounds like one ginormous complaint and in a sense it is <laughs> but more than that it's it's just for me to ask that you have an open mind and before you look at someone and make a decision or discount somebody just because of their rank or 
any of those things, just take into account the fact that they're a human being who volunteered to serve the nation, to join the Navy, and probably made that decision more than once. Just just give them the benefit of the doubt. Give them a second. Give them the time of day and help rebuild that trust that has been broken between leadership and all of the rest of us. I want to say between khakis and white hats, but it's so much deeper than that. It really is. And if we just focus on the human factor and not just the uniform, and we actually pay attention to the human being that is inside of that uniform, I think we would get so much farther. And they would be so much more willing to contribute to the team and they would bring more value because if their voice isn't valued why would their work be valued if their ideas aren't contributing why would their effort contribute when you so easily dismiss someone for whatever reason be it their their rank or their age or their gender or or any of those things if you just honestly if you're just an a-hole why would anybody put in effort even even the bare minimum honestly and you could argue that we should be doing the bare minimum all the time and i would agree but at the same time if you're just gonna be a jerk face excuse my language because i have to not cuss and it's a little difficult yeah, so that's my take. I mean, I've been every rank so far from E1 to E6. Um, none of them more than once, which I'm thankful for. But I've I've been sitting at this one um, the longest out of any of them. And I got to say, it is rough. This is definitely, I think, the worst rank so far. Um, maybe eventually I'll laugh at myself in the future if if things are really different on the other side like everyone says but it's it's not a good time and I think a lot of that is it's just based on that perception and that attitude of of where we fit in or don't fit in so if you have a different experience if you have a different idea of what the worst rank is I would love to hear it and why as always reach out we are on all of the social medias i would love to hear what you all think and what you have to say about it but that's all for now thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship hey big shout out to our level five patrons william mciver and victoria livingood to all the other patrons and everyone that supports us. We couldn't do it without you. You're allowing us to expand the platform, pay all these bills, and continue to push out just awesome content for you as much as humanly possible. And we really, really appreciate you. Thank you so much.